Hey, my name is Daniel Nazima, and uh, I'm here with Gomez and we're presenters of the hottest and newest podcast. This is episode one uh, of our podcast called Voice, which is the voice of the international community experience here in Perth. Uh, we are obviously have diverse backgrounds and we've lived in different, well, I've only lived in Perth, Gomez lived in a few towns in, in uh, or a few cities here in Perth. So along the way, we're going to have chats about our experiences uh, in Perth, overseas, uh, and what that means and how that translates into uh, our lives here in Perth. Uh, it's a community chat, so we won't be talking just about us. We'll have some guests in here. Um, and right now, I'll pass over to Gome to introduce himself uh, so you can have a good idea of who he is. Yes. Thanks. Over to you, Gome. Thanks, Daniel. Really excited about this, actually. Uh, we sit down many times over drinks and over different contexts talking about different stuff and we thought why not turn this into a podcast that other people can benefit from so like daniel said we both have an international context i suppose having lived in different parts of the world and now both residing here in perth i am currently working as a counselor and so a lot of that will be coming through as we discuss various topics and as we speak to different guests um, I also have a background in religion, so I was a pastor for a couple of years with a bachelor in pastoral ministry, so you might hear a bit of that coming through as well. Um, and I'm really passionate about people, and I think, Daniel, you can agree that that's one of the things that we have struck chords oh, for over. Sure. For sure. Uh, I appreciate that. I work with international students here in Perth and uh, I provide support services. So basically, I, I, I'm a counsellor of sorts, uh, but I provide practical advice on the resolution of, of uh, you know, life issues. So obviously, Gomez has uh, a degree in those scenarios, so it helps me a great deal for me to have him as my offsider to leverage experience and the true context of what I'm saying. <laughs> right. yeah, <man. laughs> so it legitimizes my, uh, my chats. But uh, so, I mean, that's a, that's a brief intro. I've been in this country since 2002. So that's a long time now. So basically 18 years. Part and of the furniture, right? Yeah, man, part of the furniture. A lot of people though, ask me if I'm Australian now, but I, I still say no. Because you sound bloody British. Yeah, well, there's that. But the older I've become, the more African I've become, which is weird, but it's, mm. it's the culture I was raised in. So I've lived overseas most of my life, but I was raised in an African culture. So the, the older I become, the more African I become. And I feel like Africa and Zambia is my home. So when people ask me if I'm Australian, I say, no, I'm Zambian. Right. I only live here for now. Um, it's, a, it's a controversial chat that occurs after that, but you know we'll get into that a little bit later. So we're gonna chat, there'll be a lot of things we're gonna chat about, and most of them 
uh, are going to quite possibly be, be about uh, what it's like to be uh, a migrant or a student here in Australia, what, um, what our experiences from overseas or growing up translate to into this, into this um, country and uh, society and what we see from this society and uh, what that translates to us. Uh, Gomez lived here a lot longer than I have. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, so he's mostly Australian. And that's, that's the conversation that we have, right? Wow. So wow. He, he's, he's Australian. We're both Zambian, but he's Australian more than me. And uh, I, uh, yeah, we've had some very controversial discussions about what it means and uh, what we're going to do going forward. So, I mean, all of that's going to come out in the chats and we'll, we'll, we'll see how we go. So probably better to, to, to just jump straight into one of our topics before we ramble on forever about the, the, the intro. Mm -hmm. But we thought you'd get to know us just a little bit and, uh, and, and not seem like it's, uh, it's just random straight conversations. But here we go. What are we talking about today? That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's interesting. But I wanted, I think I wanted to talk about what success means in, uh, in Africa mm. for somebody that's been overseas, the expectation and what success means here. Uh, and I think from our perspectives, we could probably come up with a, a nice little narrative for somebody who, who doesn't understand what, what success means to an African. It's, uh, yeah, interesting. Success. Yes. Same all. So, for instance, I'll give it, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off from, from an African perspective. Um, if you're an international student, you've come to Australia, or a migrant that's come to Australia to work, the success is buying a piece of land back home, starting to build a house or building a house if you've been here a few years. Um, by the time you're done with your degree and you're going back, if you're going back home, you should have had a piece of land in the house and bought a car from Japan and sent it home. Mm -hmm. right? So that would be regarded as a great uh, use of your your opportunity to come overseas when you move back home. If you go back with just a degree, which is essentially what the universities are selling here, and thinking as soon as you've got your degree, if you went home, you'd be a champion. That's not what society looks at back in Africa. So it's, it's, it's slightly different, and the approach, I think, to, to, to educate and to, to push the international student community here. Well, I wouldn't speak for the South Americans and the rest of them, but at the moment we just speak for... When we have a guest, we'll talk about their experiences. But me being African and Zambian, I speak for what I know. We're going to have South American guests? Yeah. Amen. We're going to have guests from everywhere. Amen <laughs> <laughs> oh, to that. Okay. So, Gome, I know you, you haven't thought about going back home. Not what are live. your thoughts anyway? Not to live. I've mm. thought about going back to visit, but mm. that raises a good question. What, what is home? Yeah. Um, and I guess it's a question that I've battled with over the years. Yeah. Um, like you said, I moved to Australia when I was 13, mm -hmm. back in 
Actually, I'm not going to say one because <laughs> I give away too much in terms of my age. But I moved over here with my family as a 13-year-old boy yeah. and have lived here close to probably over 30 years. So basically what that tells you is I spent most of my life here yeah. than I have in Zambia. Mm -hmm. So the question for me is where is home? Currently, my family is spread all over the world. Most of my family live in the US. Yeah. So even the concept of family as home uh, doesn't quite translate for me either because my family is kind of all over the place. Yeah. Well, you, you don't think home is... First of all, home begins with your nationality or your initial nationality. Uh, no, not, not your adopted nationality, but, but where you, your parents hail from. You have a village, obviously. But, I do, yeah, yes. Yeah. So, you, don't you think that... Big up that's soccer. <laughs> yeah. Don't you think that's where your roots come from? I think so. I think part of, part of the problem I have is Dad grew up in Scotland. Yeah. And so he never really had a strong Zambian upbringing or Zambian foundational context. Yeah. Um, and so... When I was about a few months old, we moved to the UK. Yeah. So my foundations uh, were based kind of in the UK. And so it's, it's hard. I, I mean, I feel very Zambian. Uh -huh. I mean, I, I look very Zambian. Yeah, you look Zambian. And we, <laughs> we relate on that because you know all the Zambian... The Zambianism. Yeah, the yes. Zambianism and the, you know, yeah. the street language. Yeah. But I, I, I kind of feel like in terms of defining what home is for me, mm. I feel like it's had to morph more into my relationships. And I think as Relationships talk, with yeah, family or relationship with girls? I think relationships in terms of what I consider significant. Mm. And so at the moment, probably the most significant relationship I have is with my daughter. Oh, okay. And yeah, so because she's here, she's grown up here, she was born here that becomes the kind of core in defining what home is for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So although I feel very Zambian, I feel very connected to the Zambian community. Yeah. Uh, that speak the language. Speak the lingo. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's still an element in that that doesn't necessarily feel like that's all there is to home. Okay. So I kind of feel like home is, you know, the old adage, home is where the heart is. Yeah, no, I get that. That's, that's, that's for real. And your heart is here, obviously, with your daughter. Absolutely. So that's, that, well, that's amazing. I, I, I've never actually heard that before. Mm. I've never heard that. that, um, that there you go. Learn something new every day. I'm not sure I, the way I feel at the moment, I'm not sure that is something that I can sort of look, that definition is not something I, I can adopt and think, sure. okay, that's, that's what it is. Because... Mm. I think for me, I was raised with that African mm. culture yeah. background. My dad didn't want to be anything else. Mm. My mum didn't want to be anything else. Mm. They they appreciated the you know they met in England, but they appreciated the um, uh, the whole context of it all. Mm. They appreciated how um, you know society is and. Yeah. But they knew that Zambia is where everything was. So we we have a we had a farm in Zambia, and we spent a lot of time. A, a lot of my childhood is actually in those rooms at the farm in Zambia. Mm -hmm. The house is no longer ours, but yeah. you know, 
I still feel a connection to that house, to that soil, to those mango trees, oh. to all of that stuff. So big mango, <laughs> big mango, small man, <laughs> right? So it's very different and 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 difficult for me to 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 then come here. I've been here a long time, but I still feel like this is home because I I have no connection to the soil here. Mm. Right, and I'm talking now motherland type scenario. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When I arrive in Zambia at the at the airport, I feel like You're I can home. be cheeky. Yeah, <laughs> right. I feel like I'm home. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's there's a culture shock that comes in it because of infrastructure and things like that. But I mm. feel like this is where I should be. Yeah, right? I feel like I walk in, I just walk around and I chat to everyone. I feel mm. like this is this is where you know my my heart is, mm. and the older I've become, it's been a lot harder for me to to kind of appreciate yeah. the Australian culture mm. because I'm seeing what the consequences of that is. Mm. Right? Yeah. The way kids are raised, mm. the way um, the way individuals think, what they do. So, yeah, having been here for eighteen years, initially, it was very intriguing, and I did those things. But now, after so long, I can see what the after effects are. Sure. And I prefer my own, mm. right? Mm. Because for me, that's eighteen years, but I have knowledge of our culture being thousands of years, mm. and we've seen the outcome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The the respect for elders. Yeah. Yeah. The the confidence levels mm. that, that we grow up with. Yeah. The um you know depression and things like that are very common everywhere, but I'd like to say we're a little bit resilient to to those things because of what our environment and our culture and our upbringing is like. Mm. I know, being my tribe. From, yeah. from, from, <laughs> yeah. from from the eastern part of Zambia. Yes, it's uh, it's it's almost as if we we were brainwashed into believing that you know we can pretty much do everything. Yes, and anything as long as we want to do it, we can do it. Nothing can stop us. So, but that's it. I don't know if it's a cultural thing. Let well, me just, it, it let me just touch on that. That's yeah. a really interesting thing because I think. You know, contextually speaking, we've got this COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. And what I'm hearing is reports of people in Zambia almost neglecting the seriousness around that based on some of those kind of foundational teachings around, I don't know if it's resilience or impermeability, that kind of nothing can touch us mentality. Mm. Um, how do you think that translates in the context of COVID? Because the reports I'm getting is that, you know, there's a lot of people now in hospitals, there's a lot of people dying um, because they've neglected to follow simple protocol based on some of those... Uh, Look, I get the, the protocol, mm -hmm. but the, the only issue with those things is that a lot of people in Zambia um, live hand-to-mouth. Mm. And it, it, it results in... A lot of people, only way they can get from one place to the next is through buses. Right. right. So, 
because um, it's far distances they come come from to go to the market. A lot of people buy produce, take to the market, sell to the masses. This is how they feed their families. Yeah. There is no social security. So it's very difficult for the population to stay at home. They're not going to get paid like this like this population here will get paid to mm. job keeper or job seeker to be at home during the pandemic. Yeah. They're not going to receive that. There's no social security. Mm. Uh, so it's very difficult for them to, to, to listen and say, I had many times I called home and I said, look, you've got to stay home, there's COVID. And they're like, what are we going to eat? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I sent money a few times to say, look, here's the money, stay home. Then it got a little bit expensive, and I stopped calling. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do it no more. <laughs> like, yeah. is, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to do the government's job on this one. Mm -hmm. But so the government had to come up with something to, to to stimulus packages or whatever. But they haven't. But that's what drives the people, and the, the, they have to go. So the only way they could get up without fear is to believe. Mm in something, to believe they have a resilience. Really interesting. And yeah. keep going. Mm. Otherwise, they're gonna sit at home and starve. And that's the reality of their life. So either way they die, mm. either of starvation or yeah. exposure to. Pretty much. Right. Because, I mean, you're, that they don't have a landlord's association there, mm. right? The government issued a directive here for the landlords to not evict anyone during mm. those periods, yep. right? Yep. Yep. They don't have that over there. No food bank. No food banks. None of that. Right? Mm. So what are they doing? Right? Mm. If, you, if you can't pay your rent, you get kicked out. If you can't go to the markets to sell your produce, first of all, they don't have deep freezers to freeze all their produce. So mm. it's perishables. They go to the, to, the, to the market or to the farms and buy tom tomatoes and take them to the market and sell. They mm. buy mangoes. They buy this. They do that. You know, lettuce, cabbage. They take all of that stuff. So if they don't sell it within a period of time, it's going to go back. Yeah. So what do you do? And they lose their capital. So yeah. they have to keep going. The economy there depends on them going, actually. So what about wearing masks? Simple, yeah. simple stuff like that. I mean, stuff like that is all about the... the and sometimes, and sometimes. Yeah, all of that is just... It's, Literacy levels, mm -hmm. right? And I can compare those literacy levels to the literacy levels in America, for instance. Right? It's the illiterate that think mm -hmm. that it's just a way for the government to control So they don't do it, yeah. right? And, and for a lot of people, they think, oh man, a mask is it's too hot, it's too warm. And I had to wear a mask to go into the Apple store one time. And I, 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 to be honest, I'd rather stay home <laughs> than, than wear a mask. I will do one or the other though. Yeah. Right? So if, if, if I don't want to wear a mask, I'm not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And if I have to go somewhere, I will wear a mask. But over there, they're just like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do it. Or they don't have the money to buy a mask. They can't find a mask. They can't be bothered to buy a to, yeah. to get a mask. It's, it's a lot of different things, right? If you if you look at America, and and there was a lot of people here as well that did the same thing, yeah. and that they were like, "Now nah, you can't tell me to wear a mask. I don't want to wear a mask, mm -hmm. right? You're just trying to control me. I yeah. don't believe in this COVID." Right? Yeah. yeah, and then 
you know, the, that's, very, that's very negligent to those people, but they truly believe that, <laughs> that, that this thing is not, is not real. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's uh, I mean, look, 70 something million people voted in Donald Trump, even after all that crazy stuff that he did, right? And if you look even for Australia, uh, just look under Mark McGowan's posts on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you'll see My the, hero. Di- the differences in opinions yeah. of what he does. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a platform that social media has, has given people to express their opinions even when it's not really <laughs> called for and it's yeah. not right. Yeah. Which is something that I feel like is an Australian thing mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And that everybody believes as long as they think something, it's true. It's, it's the way to go. And that's a, a little yeah. bit of a problem for me. Yeah. Which is probably a good segue to circle back to what you started talking about in terms of success and defining yeah. that from a Zambian versus an Australian context. So mm-hmm. what I heard you say was from a Zambian perspective or an African perspective, success looks like being able to come out here get your degree, but there's other things that you need to achieve on top of that. So yeah. buying a car, buying a house, buying land. Yep. And that is what defines success from an African perspective. Yeah, and that's baseline success. Okay, so that's, you're kind of <laughs> successful. Yeah, it's baseline though. Right. It's, this is not what you're it's supposed to achieve. As, this is the bare minimum right. of gotcha. what you're supposed to achieve uh-huh. once you've had the opportunity to go overseas, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that's, that's the African side. Right. But from this side, mm-hmm. it's, what would you reckon success is in Australia? That's a very good question. Um, another question that I've battled with mm. over the years in terms of how people define success. I think probably to contextualize it within a broader context, I think a lot of communities in Africa tend to be communal, tend to be kind of communist in terms of collective mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. And so there's even in defining success, there can be a collective definition of success. Whereas I think over in the Western world, with individualism being more rampant, mm-hmm. even with the way we define success becomes more individualistic. And so you have people for whom, if I have a boat, mm-hmm. that defines success. If I have a certain position at work, that defines success. Yeah. Um, People within my context, and when I say my, I'm speaking in the kind of counseling, therapy, psychology world, mm-hmm. we tend to define success more relationally. So oh, okay. success is defined based on your significant relationships. So if you want to know how successful I am, mm-hmm. look at my daughter. How happy is my daughter? Yeah. How happy is my wife? Mm-hmm. How happy are my kids mm-hmm. in general? How happy are the people around me? Yeah. And that... It's probably the one that I subscribe to the most. Yeah. Um, but like I said, it's individualistic. How much money you earn is a huge factor. When you go out into social contexts, the first question people want to know is, what do you do? Yeah. Um, Whether that's conversational or it's, yeah. they, they'll judge you after that. Correct. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I usually, 
You've heard me tell people I'm a, I'm a garbage I'm man. I'm a garbage <laughs> Yeah, I'm a garbage. I do. But, you know, and that's just, uh, you know, because I don't, I, when I'm having conversations with Australians, mm. I, don't, I don't know if that really matters. It does. Because I think it doesn't really matter. I think more in, if, if you're in a nightclub, it's your physical appearance. It's not how much money you have or, or the rest of those factors. Now, I'm going back and I'll bring this, okay, circling back to success in Africa. Mm. And then for me, having that foundation of thought of what success is, yep. I then plant myself into Australia mm. and I'm associating with a lot of Australians. Yep. And I'm having relationships with Australians. Mm-hmm. And I have Australian children. Relationships or relations? Relations <laughs> and ships. <laughs> Some relations turn into ships. <laughs> so, but um, so we enter the relationship mm-hmm. with different ideas. Yeah. Right. So the expectation of an Australian would be that. Mm-hmm in terms of family success. How happy are we from a communication, time, all of this stuff. But from where I come from, as a man, how much you provide your family and mm. taking them away from poverty, from all the, the, the ills that, you know, having very limited funds brings into a family or a household mm. the further away you are from that the better the happier the family is mm-hmm. right they don't really need to interact with parents that much your wife understands what you need to do to get them far away as possible from that environment right and that is an understanding from a from a cultural perspective, and then everything else comes from that. You can go on holidays, you can go to private schools, you can, you know, you can have all the, the trimmings, you can have a good car, you can live in a nice house, you can do all of that stuff. Mm. That makes the children happy because they uh, have a certain status in society, mm-hmm. and they have, and not saying that the relationships don't matter, but the material matters a lot in a society, in a third world sort of country. Oh, yep. So taking somebody with that mentality and placing them in this country to interact and, and, and have relations and relationships, mm-hmm. uh, you know, partnering up with, mm-hmm. you know, with, with women from here is, is very hard in terms of how you adjust your personality for this and your culture for this to work. It's Expectation management. Yeah, and that's, it's not easy. Mm. It's not easy mm. because, you know, it doesn't matter what you say about who you are and what you, how you see things. The expectations from, from the people around here would be the same as the expectations back in Zambia, I suppose, if, if an Australian lady went to <laughs> and married a Zambian man in Zambia he would expect her to be a little bit more Zambian than Australian. Right. And that's the same kind of from here. But 
So yeah, success is more material mm -hmm. where we come from. Uh, and I guess here is more relational, you would say. I think, just to clarify, I think it's more relational within certain kind of fields. And so in my field, yeah. it is relational. I think in a lot of other areas, it is about the job. It is about how much money you've got. Can yeah. you afford a boat? Can you afford to live in Dalkeith, Netherlands? Yeah, 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 yeah. So there, there is an element of material wealth and yeah. success as well. Um, but I'm curious, let me just paint a picture for you here because yeah. I'm hearing a great disparity between two cultures who merge and have relationship or yes. relations. So <laughs> a man comes from Africa yeah. and his version of success is material uh, accumulation or provision for, for when he family. goes home yes. yep mm. and so he comes over here and he meets an Australian woman for mm -hmm. whom let's assume a relationship is significant yes um, they date mm -hmm. and within the context of that relationship this man now is constantly working because his goal for success is I need to be able to accumulate a certain amount of wealth so I can mm -hmm. go back and provide yeah, but even here, so he'll, if he has a family here, he'll still want his family here to be okay. Right, so he'll still want the mentality. Them, yeah, he mm. still wants them to go to private school. He still wants right. them to do all of that stuff because uh -huh. this is where his family is. Mm -hmm. The expectation back home is also that he sends some money. Right, okay. Right? And so in the meantime, he's got cousin's this... school fees or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So his missus is sitting there wanting to spend time with him because yeah. the relationship is what's important for her. Exactly. How, how does that work? It doesn't. It doesn't work at all. <laughs> because, you see... Are you saying uh, we're, we're fucked? We're pretty much fucked. <laughs> Unless, you see, there is no merge of two cultures. Mm -hmm. There is no. Right. One person has to forego their culture for that to work. Interesting. Right? So mm -hmm. generally, the guys here forego their culture act a lot more Australian mm -hmm. for, for this relationship to work. Now, in the honeymoons phase of the relationship, that's okay. But eventually, even if they stay together, one person's going to be unhappy. The person that's foregone their culture, whether be it male or female, one of them is going to be unhappy in that relationship. The other is going to be more dominant because everything happens on their terms. Now, just imagine you're an African, marry into an Australian family here, and then all of a sudden, all the family gatherings is all Australian. Hmm. That's, the food is different. The way a, a party is organized is different. Mm -hmm. How the party runs is different. You pretty much live in another culture, mm. right? Nothing is representative of yours in that environment. They might introduce one or two foods, but that's about it. So, and a lot of times where you've had success in relationships, you haven't been Zambian if you've been dating Australian women. Or the Australian woman's tried to be Zambian. Yeah, or they've tried to be Zambian. Mm -hmm. But at some point, everybody says, no, stuff that, I don't want to do this anymore. 
right? Mm-hmm. Or the conversation goes to, I let you do this, right? Like you didn't let me do anything. <laughs> I'm a grown up. <laughs> this this is the kind of discussions and context. So from a relationship perspective, uh, success. If we can move the topic of success into success on relationships, in mm-hmm. relationships, yep. or relations. In relations, we are fine <laughs> because <laughs> it works. Yeah, it works. That works very well. Okay. But once we transfer relations to relationships, then then expectations. We're okay with the expectation that comes with the relations, mm-hmm. but the expectations of the relationships is different. Because if you date uh, a Zambian girl, she'll do different things. She has different expectations of you as Gome from Zambia. Yeah. If you date an Australian, she'll have different expectations of you as a man. And that's which expectation you're comfortable with is the one that I go with. But each one has consequences. So mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with the, with the expectation, the Zambian expectation, which is a lot to do with provision and protection, mm-hmm. right? So I'm happy to be the guy who's responsible for pretty much everything, right? Pay the rent, pay the school fees, pay the whatnot, pay the whatnot, because I swear I, that's what I knew my father to be. Yep. That's the kind of man I aspired to be. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So if I'm trying to do that, and you're telling me if you do that, then you don't really love your family, mm-hmm. then I'm confused. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because this is what I know that a man does for his family. Right. So if you're telling me I shouldn't do that and I should be more at home, mm-hmm. when in Africa, if a man is more at home and not making money, he's considered a weak man. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that break up marriages. Yeah. So I guess for me, these conversations that we're having about this is important because mm-hmm. a lot of people that have a lot of kids that come here at the age of 17, 18, they haven't thought about this Mm. because they haven't thought about marriage. (laughs) So when they get to that point and they take the step to marry an Australian, for them, what's going to kick in in their head is what they saw their dad doing. Mm. So if they don't understand that the Australians don't don't value that, Mm. then it's, it's going to end in misery. Yeah. So if they can, if for instance, if they could take this as a gem and think this is what I'm, I'll expect in the future, mm-hmm. then that that I think would would change at least one person's life mm-hmm. and stopping them from making a mistake or ending up in misery. Yeah, <laughs> I mean we know we don't want anybody to end up in misery. No, um, um, well I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Misery can build resilience. Um. I want to throw in another concept here. And yes. I, th- I think it's so great that we have different views about different things and we can bring these kind of together. No, sure. For sure. Let people kind of play around. Decipher and, and yeah. pick the, which side they're on. Exactly. They want. I think we could do a poll on this. <laughs> who's on my side, who's <laughs> on your side? <laughs> um, um, one of the definitions from a success in relationships thing that I think we don't speak often about is the idea of empathy. 
And I think from my perspective in defining relationships, I think that is critical. Mm. And empathy defined basically as the ability to listen enough to the other person and care enough to the position of the other person um, and to act accordingly. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I think it's important to differentiate that from sympathy, which is the idea of walking in another person's shoes. And typically what that means is if I were in your shoes, this is what I would do. Yeah. Empathy is quite different to that in the sense yeah, yeah, that it doesn't, it's not about you, it's not about what you would do, it's not about your experience, it's not because my mum died, therefore I understand how you feel because your mum's just died as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about going, what does it mean for you that your mum has passed? Yeah. Irrespective of what my experience was, True. what is your experience? And having an understanding of that, I can then engage with you in a way that's caring, in a way that's compassionate. Yeah. Um, and so in the context of relationships, I think one of the first things is understanding where does this person come from that I'm in a relationship with? Yeah. What is their context? What's important to them? What are their mm -hmm. values? Um, and really listening, leaning in and listening and understanding where they are mm -hmm. so that I then make decisions based on do I care enough about the fact that for Daniel, him not being home means he's providing, which makes him feel like a man. Mm -hmm. Do I care enough about that um, to understand and deal with that in that way rather than Daniel's not here, which means he doesn't give a shit about me, yeah. which means I'm so shit and it's all about me, 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 me. Yeah. So I wonder whether there's a place for talking about empathy, teaching people um, empathy in relationships that allows them to start to understand things from a cross-cultural perspective yeah. from that foundation. I think so. I think, you know, because there's, it's, it's one, it has to happen. Either empathy kicks in or you just pick somebody from your culture. It's one or the other. Or you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Because it, in those mm. contexts, with this culture being individualistic, and our culture being collective, mm. I'm doing this stuff for the betterment of the collective. Right. You're viewing what I'm doing from an individualistic perspective. Mm. So like what it means to you. Yeah. So if you stop me from doing what I have to do, mm. it means I can't provide my cousin, my cousin's cousin, my aunt mm. with a better, better life. Mm. but I can spend time with you mm. right so it's you I can't do what I wanted to do for my children mm. but I can spend time with you relations yeah <laughs> so we can have relations and make a better relationship right? but so that, that, that context and, 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 and concept is what for me I struggle with because mm. I don't have enough empathy mm. for an individualistic thought. Mm. I don't. Interesting. Got that. When I was younger, I did. Yeah. But right now, mm -hmm. 
I haven't, I, I don't have that because as soon as somebody is individualistic, I start to navigate my way away from that. Right. Because I exist in a collective. So, mm-hmm. and that's my culture. Yeah. So it's very difficult for me to, the, the empathy and understanding needs to come from, <laughs> unfortunately, in, in, in that collective, I mean, in that situation, it has to come from the individualistic person in my relationship with people. So, not to confuse people with all of these back and forth, but that's, that's how I look at it from, from that perspective, mm-hmm. is that it's, it's the betterment of a, 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 a lot or a few, which one's better. And if you don't understand that we are doing this to better other people's lives, and that should make our lives better, then what are we doing? Mm. So, love that. I hear that, and I, I love the individualistic versus the collectivist and what, you, what you're saying there. Um, I would argue, though, that what we may consider individualistic mm. affects a collective, whether the individual mm-hmm. realises that or not. So. In that context, you have a family, you're mm-hmm. away at work, your wife may make it about her. Yeah. Um, but you can turn around and say, hey, I come from a collectivist context, so mm-hmm. you stepping in the way of that is going to influence or affect my ability to provide for the collective. Yeah. Your unhappy partner is now raising your kid. Mm-hmm. And so from an individualistic perspective, she may, th- she may think, I'm really sad, I'm really unhappy, this relationship is shit because Daniel's not here. Yeah. But that then translates into how she mothers your child. Mm -hmm. Um, And so all of a sudden, the individual in the individualistic context is now affecting the collective. Because she's grumpy, she's upset, she's mothering from that perspective, she's going to work from that perspective, Mm -hmm. she's interacting with other people in a culture that may identify as individualistic, but they really are not individualistic. Yeah. Because they exist within a context which is social and it's collective. Yeah. So now she's talking to your mom it's, it's, it's and it's not, negative, 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 yeah. because your son, your son, your son, your mom's affected by that. She comes to you and there's all these connectivities. Yeah. No, and, and I, I agree. So I think from the discussion we're having, it's it's best to stay well clear of these individual, <laughs> individualistic people <laughs> from us because I don't, I, I don't know how to reconcile this situation without without um, without being mean or without without being sounding like I'm culturalist, if mm. that's even the term. Mm, is that it is now. <laughs> we can coin that. But it's, I think it's, if you're dealing with a worldly person, somebody who's been overseas and been to different countries and experienced different cultures and, and things like that, it, it mm. makes it easier. Yeah. For, because if, or if they come from a strong culture themselves, it makes it easier because everybody understands what they need to do that they need to do something based on where they're from. Mm. You know what I mean? So I can, I can look at it and say, oh, you have to do that. Or in my culture, I have to do this. Mm. I can't judge you, mm. right? Because yeah. 
I have, I have, I have instances where certain things have to happen because it's an expectation, right? So I'm used to working with expectations. It's just the way I am. I can't work without expectations. Yeah. But the expectations must be in line with who I am as a man and what my culture is. Otherwise, it it deviates from my purpose. Mm -hmm. I have a purpose, and my purpose is to provide, protect my family, provide for my family, Mm -hmm. uh, build a legacy. Yeah. So if your ideas and the way you want and the way you talk and the things you want in life are driving me away from that purpose, Mm -hmm. then what benefit do I get from this interaction? Mm. Nothing. Yeah. Just the relations. Just the relations. <laughs> Which, the relations just have to be pretty good. They better be, <laughs> better be on point. Okay. <laughs> they better be hanging off chandeliers and stuff. Absolutely. But uh, if not, then it's, it's ridiculous. And I think from a, when you're younger, it's okay because you can just coast through life and do things. <laughs> but when you're in a situation where you're older and you're thinking of it and life comes into play, your mortality comes into play. Mm. You know that you have more years <laughs> behind you than ahead of you. Mm. Then things change. You're not thinking about, oh, I, I need to go and climb a mountain or I need to go and do this or I need to go on walks all the time. No, yes, for health purposes, mm. but not to kill time. Yeah, and okay. chandeliers are not enough. No, it's got to be a lot more. It's got <laughs> yeah. to be some fancy dress parties out there. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Two things strike me as, as, as you say that. Uh, one, one thing is how much I actually agree with you in terms of the purpose yeah. uh, for a man in that context to be the provider, to be the protector mm. of, of his partner and his family. Um, I think what that leads to, though, is a question of what are you providing? And I think that's probably where we'll probably have ongoing discussions about what does the family need that's very true is it material is it emotional is it okay physical so that's the one thing second thing is i'm hearing a business opportunity here (laughs) we can start to provide uh pre-relationship counseling oh yeah for sure that asks the tough questions around do you know who you're getting involved with yeah before you get in into a relationship asking the tough questions around am I willing to be in a relationship with a man whose ultimate purpose is to provide materially which means he's hardly going to be home when he is home he's probably going to be knackered because he's been working his ass off all day for the family for the family it's not just for him right So, so I've been caught in that situation where Mm. I'm being told I'm working hard to pay for everything mm-hmm. and I'm being told I'm being selfish yeah. now I couldn't reconcile those two things sure. that for me was an absolute shock to my system mm-hmm. because I'm like of course I'd rather be sitting on this couch watching TV or just hanging out and going for coffees and doing that massaging your face yeah I'd love to do that <laughs> but then how are we going to pay for all of this stuff uh-huh this is my question. Uh-huh. I don't think that finances and time are mutually exclusive for mm-hmm. the success of a relationship. 
Right. I think both have to be together. It's, but in an environment like this, there has to be a level of understanding mm. around that setup. This mm. is not a movie. Mm. When we get into times where you're having a, a serious relationship and you're having children, it's not a movie. This is not the romance in that notebook. you see in the Eiffel Tower and the notebook and the rest of this. This is serious business here because nobody is going to give you anything for nothing. Mm-hmm. You can get into a lot of debt, mm-hmm. but if you're going to have a stable setting and a legacy built, it's, it's going to take a lot of hard work. Mm. And if, not, if both people are on the same path, and I think if I have a goal, in a, a, a life goal, and my partner doesn't have a life goal, then everything that I'm doing to her feels like it's just time away from her. She mm. has no understanding of the burning desire I have to achieve what I want and that I have to do this stuff and this is what makes me happy mm. so I can be happy in a relationship. If you turn that fire off, I'm not going to be happy in the relationship. Mm. Except I think a lot of women grow up with the context of the fairy tale. So, you know, the man that's pursuing her is already accomplished. He's a prince. That's what I'm saying. All he's looking for is his bride. All he's looking for is that one person to live happily ever after with. And so the idea is she's sitting there like Rapunzel, her hair's getting longer, she's in the castle waiting for a prince to come. Her expectation is not that once he's in there, that he's going to go back out into the forest to go and find (laughs) mangoes or fruit to bring back. He's already got that. He's he's established. And so once he gets up Mm. the golden stair and he finally kisses her, they live happily ever after. That's yeah. kind of the expectation that's been built for a lot of women. Well, and so when look, you when you get, get into trouble if we start talking on behalf of women <laughs> without a woman in it. <laughs> this is true. I feel like I feel like we might need to get a guest in here yeah. that can speak yeah. to that. But I, I I wonder whether there is that element where they want to sit on the couch and have their feet massaged. They want to sit there and talk sweet nothings and watch a movie with you because for them being with you is the goal yeah and that's awesome but your goal can't take me away from my goal yeah so as soon as i clearly express what my goal is Mm. if you're not in tune with that 100 percent, walk away you have a choice yeah yeah just leave yeah doesn't matter what i say or what i try to do run yeah right don't think oh yeah I know he wants that but I can make him want this no it's it's not possible it's not possible for you to make me in your image God already made me in his image mm-hmm. I can't now change to your image and then I'm going to change into the next person's image when will I be me mm-hmm. and do the things that I want do you think, and this is more of a question, mm-hmm. do you think part of the issue then becomes the fact that relations precede relationships? And I know we kind of brought up the relations versus relationships almost kind of in yeah. jest, but 
Do you think that interferes with our capacity to manage our expectations before we get into relationships? No, but what's the what's the expectations of getting into a relations before the relationship? So, is it just for fun, or is this something serious? Some a lot a lot here. There's a lot less of just for fun above a certain age in Africa. Right. Mm -hmm. Once you're out of high school mm -hmm. and early college years, yeah. there's a lot less of just for fun. Right. Right. Any anybody you, you are dating in their twenties, there's an expectation you're going to marry. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's a, that's the difference. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a culture here. Look, the first time I I saw a sexy nana was here in Australia. The first time you saw us, a what? A sexy nana. A sexy nana? Yeah. Please, please explain. A nana with some, some, some leggings. As in a grandma? Yeah, a grandmother. Okay. With some leggings and some trainers, little boot tube, power walking, trying to look sexy out there. The with cool some, word for that is a gilf. What? Yeah. Well, that's, that's the first time I saw that. Wow. Okay. I had I had no idea that was a thing. Uh -huh. I thought nanas were nanas. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. But apparently, you can have guilt. They can get it. Right. So, <laughs> it for me is, is is shocking. Right. Okay. So the age, the 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 I I say that to say this: mm -hmm. the, the age for just relations mm -hmm. is extended here mm -hmm. it's not it's not a there's no age limit to it yeah you could meet somebody in their 40s and just have relations no expectations yeah. so but i'm wondering whether even if you do have expectations that there's something about offering milk that makes someone not feel the need to buy the cow or hmm. whether there's a sense like to go back to my Rapunzel yeah. illustration rather than her throwing her hair down she's throwing her vagina down okay let, and, let, so, and so the prince is drawn to that and there's no conversation post that around what do you expect in a relationship? Okay. Let me let me put it in this way. I think hmm. from a, from an African perspective, yep. a lot about how people date here hmm. is less manly, more feminine. Say more. Yeah. So what it does is that in Africa, if you're dating a woman, you have to pay for everything all the time. Okay. Over here is a 50-50. So the expectations from a man's side is zero. Even I, a woman with money? I guess so. Okay. Well, I, I don't know what that, that... I've never dated a woman with money. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is, is going to be interesting. If you I can't wait this, for this to get out. If you hear this, I will only plan. <laughs> you know who you are. Anyway. Wow. So let's just say, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just say, all I from my teenage years, mm -hmm. all I have to do is have my twenty-five dollars. I've had a look at the menu of where we're going. Mm -hmm. 
all I have to do is have my $25 and I can ask somebody out on a date. She's got to come with her $40 or $25 for whatever she wants to eat or whatever. Here in Australia. Yeah. 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 And then we go our separate ways. Or you go and have relations. Yeah, or you go and have relations. That's a possibility, though, that you can have relations on that same day, right? Right. right. But where we've come from, let me say out, because you're a strap. No, no. But, <laughs> but let me say, so where we, I've got to, I've got to have a hundred and forty just in case she has, she comes over with her cousin or her sister. Wow. So I'm gonna okay. pay for everybody, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. On top of that, this is going to go on for a few weeks. Before relations. Before relations. Okay. Right? Now, the difference is, once the relations happen, mm-hmm. there is no discussion post that whether, so what are we doing here? Are we in a relationship uh-huh. or are we just... Once she gives up the goods, she is your girlfriend. Right. From that day on. Wow. Okay. Right. Interesting. That's your girl. Uh huh. So you could. This could go on and on depending on the woman. Yeah. For weeks or months. Or months. Potentially, and yeah. she's not your girlfriend up until the point where you have relations. Yeah. So that's the difference. So there's a foundation and a culture. That's cultural, though, right? Mm-hmm. Here, because we're in an individualistic society, a few of the guys, and this is why you see a lot of the guys, uh, it's natural for us to just be in a club and ask a woman, oh, can I buy, uh, like, what are you drinking? Offer the pay. Yeah, yeah, offer the pay, offer the whatever. Mm-hmm. They always look at it like, uh, <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> I buy my own drink. I buy my own drink. So what's wrong with you? But where we come from, it's an expectation you're going to buy the drink. So they come nothing with nothing but lipstick in their back. If you pick them up, you're taking them home, <laughs> and you're buying everything. If she gets hungry, you're buying the food. If she wow. wants something to drink, you're buying the drink, and that's it. Well, wow. and if she comes with her cousin, you got to do that because you got to impress her cousin so that she can put in a good word for him. So it's not going to be months; it's going to be weeks. <laughs> so it's, there's a difference. But after that, right? The thing is that she's tested you to see how much you like her before she says yes. Gotcha. Right? Gotcha. But over here, it's got to pull out a couple of cool dance moves, say something cool, stacks on. Or just be good looking, like or, me. Yeah. Or just In be good looking like you. <laughs> you. You don't do much. <laughs> right. I'm better looking on the podcast yeah, yeah. too. <laughs> No doubt. Okay, so we've got to wrap it up, but um, I think that's, yeah, good start. I think so. Really, really interesting conversations, and I imagine this is going to octopus into various kind of subtopics, but what have we said about success? Well, the definition of success that I know of from Earl Nightingale is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Mm That's what I follow. The definition of success from where I come from is basically get a degree, buy a piece of land to start building, buy a vehicle from Japan, Mm. send it home, 
So when you come home, you are self-sufficient to a to to a court. You also got to come home with some money. So you're not asking people to to borrow money to buy talk time. Yeah. That is on a base level as an international student coming here. Yeah. As a migrant would be something pretty similar. Yeah. And I think what I was saying from my perspective is that success for me looks like a holistic uh, approach where your bio, social, psycho, um, spiritual worlds mm -hmm. combine um, and you're happy. And for me, that's always relationally determined. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting to kind of talk over the weeks, over the months, and yeah. in the future. I think we can get what, some guests in yeah, About what that looks like. Because mm. um, I think we're speaking kind of theoretically at this stage, but it'd be yeah. interesting to kind of start to land it and nail it in some real world contexts. Yeah, I believe it. So, look forward to that. And uh, I think we could get some people to come in and uh, offer their opinions as well. Absolutely. And, uh, and then see how we go. But uh, the fact that we've got different opinions <laughs> on this stuff, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be good. I'm <laughs> so excited. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Um, last thing. What yeah. did you think of my business idea? You didn't say much. No, I thought it was, it was awesome. Right. I think we're going to talk offline about how we can make that happen. But uh, Absolutely. it's very, very, very uh, exciting times ahead, I think. Don't say I never give you anything, buddy. I, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing time. Okay, cheers, my man. Thank you very much, everyone. That was uh, voice. So voice actually means the voice of the international community experience. Uh, and that's for everyone here in Perth. And I uh, hope you got a little something out of that. And we look forward to seeing you in the next few weeks. Boom. Out. Later.